Welcome to the Bible Answer Show, a live and lively forum that brings together pastoral and apologetic voices from across the Christian community to answer your scripture questions. Our show is hosted by Pastor Michael Lance of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, along with a panel of pastors and other invited guests. The phone lines are open now. So, you've got questions? We've got answers on today's Bible Answer Show. Good afternoon and welcome to the Bible Answer Show. Hope everybody's having a great week this week. The number to call here is 1-800-227-5278. That's 1-800-227-5278. Get those calls in early. We really want to interact with you and be able to answer your uh, Bible questions. And um, if we get the calls too late, then we run out of time and it's a huge bummer. So give us a call now, (laughs) 1-800-227-5278. And uh, get those calls in while I introduce the panel today. Sitting beside me is Pastor Brian Richards. How you doing, Cameron? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good. Good. Sitting on my other side is Pastor Coach Chris Van Hook. Hey, Cameron. And sitting across from me, back from his uh, happy day at Disneyland, is Pastor (laughs) Michael Lance. Cameron, you sound like you're from the 70s there. Huge bummer, huge dude. bummer, man. Such a bummer. It'd be a huge bummer if you guys don't call yeah, it. The, the former surfer in me came out. Sorry. One eight hundred two two seven fifty two seventy eight. Get those calls in. We would love to talk to you. Uh, but while we wait for the calls to come in, let's go to this question from the mailbag. It says, "Why does Jesus say Zechariah is the son of Berechiah when he was the son of Jehoiada?" Well, you guys wanted to test me today, didn't you? <laughs> Pastor Brian, Brian said, hey, really go to that last it. question. Now I'm like, oh, okay, that's what he's <laughs> trying to mess with me. Uh, and that's from Matthew 23, 35. Okay, yeah, Brian we, asked for it, so he's going to answer it. <laughs> well, we've had this question in the mailbag for a while, so we wanted to, you know, clean it out a little bit. So um, that comes from Matthew 23, 35. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and he basically accuses them of killing the prophets, at least their ancestors. And uh, so he says in Matthew 23, 35, uh, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah. And um, Zechariah was a prophet during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. They don't mention him as the son of Bechariah, but um, here Jesus does. Um, there's a couple of uh, theories on why that is. Um, the theory that I usually land on is whenever uh, there's there's a little footnote um, on that scripture, which says the son of Bechariah is not included in some of the manuscripts. Usually when you see that in your Bible, what it means is the oldest manuscripts that we have, the copies closest to the originals that we have, don't include that little insert, that little addition. The later manuscripts do. And so whenever there's an addition that's added in, what most likely happened is a copyist at some point over the years kind of maybe had a footnote of that, but then eventually actually got inserted into the text itself. And that happens in other places in scripture. So it's not something we need to really die on, but... uh, you know, it's just something to be aware of when you see those little footnotes. Yeah, and then the other explanation of that is when it says the son of, uh, we were talking before the show and Pastor Brian mentioned, you know, in Hebrew there's only one word and it can mean the son of or it could actually be the grandson of or it can actually just be a descendant 
of. Uh, and that's just because of a, a Hebrew language issue there. So uh, as Pastor Michael pointed out, you know, it, it says that Jesus is a, a son of David. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a long time removed. So it wasn't son of, it was great, 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 great. great, great and great, I don't great, know how great. many, I don't want to start counting. So. Well, you have a thousand year gap yeah. uh, from the, the, the time of David to the time of Jesus. So this is, this is a way of... of uh, uh, saying grandson or great 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 grandson, and I have something in a note here um, that Zechariah is called the son of Berechiah in Zechariah one one, but in Second Chronicles twenty four twenty he's called the son of Jehoiada. Right. Is it possible that Jehoiada was the grandfather of Zechariah and Berechiah was his father? Uh, and and again, this would be just how the Hebrew language works, as you mentioned, Pastor Brian, that it's not always a direct uh, like father to son. It, it could be several generations removed. The number go. here is... Sorry, I thought Pastor Brian was going to add something else. <laughs> he went up to the mic like he was going to add something. Don't tease me like that. Uh, number here is 1-800-227-5278. That's 1-800-227-5278. Get your calls in. We'd love to interact with you. Right now, we're going to go to Bob in Riverside. Bob, you are on with the Bible Answer Show. Uh, yes, sir. I've been going to church for many, many years, and I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on the seven deadly sins, but I always wondered, I've never heard a, a sermon on gluttony. I guess it's not a pub- popular subject, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I, I, this is Coach, I was going to say, probably because there's a lot of fat pastors, but I, that's probably not <laughs> nice to say. Uh, I, I will say this, Coach, we were... You know, when you're at Disneyland, we were at Disneyland yesterday, and there's a lot of people around, and my wife and I had a discussion about uh, how many overweight people are in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we came to the conclusion it's probably about 70% of the population's, you know, overweight. And I'm not talking about just slightly overweight. And, and you can see that as you just kind of view people. Um, you know, it's not mentioned a lot, Bob, in the Bible, and that may be part of the reason why it's not brought up, um, you know. For example, in Proverbs twenty three twenty one, it says, The heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. So, you know, Je- Jesus mentions, I think, something about that they uh, they accused him of being a glutton and a wine-bibber, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think, is uh, something that's recorded in the New Testament. And that's only because he was, you know, with people eating and drinking, and the Pharisees, you know, I think they had to... They had a mandatory fast twice a week, and you know a lot of that was just for show. But I think Bob, it's it's probably mostly because uh, it's not it just doesn't come up a lot in the Bible. But it is something that when it is addressed, it it, it says that the consequences for a glutton usually has to do with poverty and laziness and, and those kinds of things. So I think you know for us personally, we would say we just we teach through the Bible. When something comes up, we address it. Um, and it, I just don't see it a whole lot in Scripture, although you know it is obviously a problem. Anything, Brian? I have maybe one theory on, on why we don't touch on it very much is because it can be so controversial. It, it can really upset a lot of people. Sure. You know, somebody might say, "Hey, I have health problems," and that you know, or, or or I have different genetics than somebody else, and it's harder for me to lose weight. And so it can just it it just can get really mm-hmm. tricky to navigate it. But I think overall, if we're teaching that our body, you know, has been given to us by God and we're to steward it well and just encourage health rather than 
constantly condemn maybe gluttony or something, just really encourage, you know, a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, I think it's interesting as I pull it up here, you know, uh, Pastor Michael brought up the one passage from Proverbs, and then there's also Deuteronomy 21.20, where it says, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. So two times in the Old Testament, those words are attached together. Um, And so, uh, you know, I think it makes you have to think about the fact that Paul taught us that nothing outside of the Lord should master us. And so if we do teach on it, and I think maybe that's, you know, an important question, uh, like, like Pastor Michael said, we only talk about things when they come up in the Bible, and since we teach through the Bible, we'll talk about them when they come up. Um, so it's not a huge issue, I think, is why it's not spoken about too much. I do totally agree with you, Pastor Brian, because we don't want people to start being judgmental um, because we don't know what issues people have and why they might look obese or overweight. What we do want to teach, though, is what the Bible says. And I do think it's interesting that it's connected twice with being a drunkard because both of those things mean that you're out of control, that you've allowed something to master you other than uh, the Lord himself. And that's where it gets into sin. Now, I think if we look at a lot of people and we say, you know, they probably do eat too much, not, I don't think they would necessarily be in that category. Um, but I do think that there's, you know, I think we all struggle with discipline. Yeah. That's a word nobody likes, uh, you know, but it's an important word. And the Bible does teach us that we should be uh, disciplined in areas. And so, you know, um, I, I think that there is good, you know, evidence in the Bible that, you know, we don't. We want to make sure we're not letting something master us, including food, which is very difficult to not let master us. Yeah. Well, this is the Bible Answer Show. My name is Pastor Michael Lance. We have the privilege of being on here from twelve to twelve thirty. We r- would really enjoy interacting with you on your Bible question. So, if you have a question about the cults, the occult, world religions, how to navigate something in your life biblically right now, a question about a Bible verse. Maybe you've interacted with some somebody lately and a question's come up. It's come up at a Bible study. You heard something in a sermon or a radio broadcast, maybe one of ours, <laughs> where you have a question. You know, uh, it would be a great time to call. We do have open lines. It's 1-800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. You guys were having a conversation yesterday. I, I listened to the broadcast uh, by way of um, recording, and you're bringing up the fruits of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. In the New Testament, Brian, Paul brings up the fact that physical exercise profits some or a little, but godliness has a a profit not only for this life, but for the life to come. And I think the flip side of this is that we can overdo it. And, And here's what I mean. There are people who live in the gym. They define everything by body image and, you know, Uh, their diet, and it can become an extreme and almost an idol on the other side. So while we want to have a healthy view, and and I would say that's probably a lower lower percentage of people who go extreme on the other side, but the the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, most of us at this table are beyond middle age except for Brian. And uh, you find that it's it becomes more of a battle just to uh, fight gravity <laughs> and years as I look at Coach. Sorry, Coach. I, I didn't mean to stare at you there. But, but, you know, it's just, you know, the way it is. We're, we're in a fallen world. And so we need to be careful that we're investing in godliness as well. Mm. I like to exercise. I've exercised my whole life. Uh, I try to eat healthy, but I have periods where I do better than others. But, but here's the thing. Uh, in the end, 
it, it really comes down to, are you working on the inner man? Uh, you know, some of you have, some of you are out there and you're hearing this conversation and you have a very poor uh, image of yourself. And we have people who get sick, they look in the mirror, there's, there's sicknesses relating to eating disorders and that kind of thing that people struggle with. So we're not here to condemn anybody, but what we're here to say is, look, as the Spirit of God um, shapes and molds you, you're going to have more things, I think, in your life that are going to fall into a biblical balance. I didn't want to use the word balance because that that word's overused and it has Eastern connotations many times, but you want a biblical balance. You want to be able to enjoy your life. If there's a party, eat a piece of cake. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> but But again, if you're overdoing it, then the consequences can be dangerous in many ways. And so that's that's where we want to find biblical balance. Cameron, you have a thought brewing? Uh, well, I'm just not sure if I should take offense that I wasn't part of the exception for the middle-aged uh, <laughs> people around the table. Well, Everybody except for Pastor little, Brian. You're a little older than Brian, aren't you? <laughs> Maybe a little yeah, bit. I, know, I, <laughs> I thought 36. that, but I wasn't going to bring it up. I will say, though, I'm really sorry that this, this discussion happens right before we all go to lunch after the Bible <laughs> right? show. It's ruined my lunch for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did hear yesterday, on yesterday's broadcast that you've morphed into Mike Massaro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody said that. I don't know. I guess I'm everybody but Cameron now. But so. now, now, he's been up on a billboard uh, showing some incredible body change, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I don't know. So, Coach, are you <laughs> saying we shouldn't, right after this program, go to Five Guys and... And that's like exactly where I wanted to go today, too. So. As long as you yeah. practice balance, guys. <laughs> Number here is 1-800-227-5278. It's 1-800-227-5278. we got lines wide open. Give us a call. Uh, whatever question you were afraid to ask before, uh, give us a call. Nobody can see you. Don't be afraid. We don't bite. And uh, ask your question. Uh, right now, we're going to go back to the mailbag and answer. we got Paul's question up there yeah. that I think is a good one. The oh, Paul's question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs 120 to 133. Uh, what is the woman wisdom crying out to the simple scoffers and the fool? Is it a you, some combination of the two? Uh, hold on. I'm trying yeah. to figure out how Cameron, that's worded. I, I can pick it up from there. So, <laughs> okay, cool, so basically in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified. And uh, wisdom is personified as she crying out. She cries out in the streets uh, to those who are naive and so forth. And it's interesting because this comes up again, Coach, in Proverbs 8. And it's in a passage where Jehovah's Witnesses like to use it as saying that Jesus was created because um, it's, it's, you know, it talks about, you know, I was created in the beginning and so forth. It's Proverbs 8. I'm, I'm doing it from memory right now. But, but there, it, it's a bad interpretation of a verse because Earlier in the book, it's already established as a, call it an interpretive principle in the book of Proverbs that wisdom is personified in the female. She cries out. She she speaks. And we're supposed to heed her voice. So this is just a simple personification thing. And it's just wisdom taking on personality, kind of like in Romans 8, where the creation is pictured as groaning out and waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation or, you know, the physical uh, manifestation, for example, in trees and, and that kind of thing, is pictured as crying out, although technically it's not. But it's waiting for its makeover that's going to be in concert with the resurrection, Romans chapter 8. So 
This is this is the idea of personification, and I think it comes out in the book of Proverbs, and that's that's how I would answer it. It's just wisdom is personified as a female voice crying out, almost like the voice of a mother saying, you know, be careful and follow my advice. It's it's interesting because this is so similar to the question we had yesterday. Um, on this, and I think Pastor Michael, that was a great explanation because we have to understand uh, a lot of people when they look at this, they'll say, "Well, wisdom," and they'll they'll say, "Wisdom is God, and God is wisdom," but that's not how it's portrayed here in the Bible, and so um, we have to be careful with that. And then I was just going to tell Paul, Paul, you don't get to ask questions with that many verses involved. Okay, <laughs> you got to knock that off. But I think Brian, you had something you wanted to say on that. Yeah, one other thing that I think Paul's looking for is. Um, when the woman cries out, who's mm-hmm. personified as wisdom, um, is she doing it because her listeners, who are the scoffers and the fools, um, is it because there's a calamity that's you know about to happen in their lives, or is it just a rebuke, or is it a combination of the two? And um, I, I'd say it would be a combination mm-hmm. of both of them. And, and I think the general principle in the book of Proverbs is if you don't seek wisdom, and how do we discover wisdom? Well, we, we uh, listen to those who have come before us. You know, we take advice. Um, you know, we, we make good choices. Um, if we don't do that, bad consequences will follow. Those consequences could be small, where somebody discovers we lied and they confront us on it, or it could be something big where it costs us our lives. And so when wisdom cries out, it's crying, make good decisions or else there's going to be bad consequences. Mm -hmm. And we have three books that we would call wisdom literature that sit in the middle of our Bible, interestingly enough. Cameron, you want to give out the information one more time? Yes, uh, the number here is 1-800-227-5278. If you're just joining us, give us a call. We have time to take some more calls. 1-800-227-5278. So you have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon, all attributed to Solomon. And they're, they're in the genre of wisdom literature. And Brian, I like the way you explained it. And really in the beginning of the book, Coach, it, it is a uh, book that's written as a father's wisdom to his son. So Brian, you're talking about, you know, you glean uh, advice from good friends, good sources, parents, grandparents, that kind of thing, godly people around you. Well, here it's a father basically saying to his son, this is the way you should live. And it's interesting, uh, Pastor Mel said he was going through Proverbs with his son. And his son said to him, he, he said, Dad, why do women come up so much in the book of Proverbs? Like, stay away from the, you know, this from kind of woman. And, and he goes, well, son, <laughs> it's because, uh, yeah, uh, you, well, there you go. So anyway, I'm not even going to try to explain that. But just to say that there are... There are places that we just need to be careful where we go and what we do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes in the Bible, you get what's called a, a chance to just pause and reflect on a life, uh, like King Saul, Esau. Um, and you begin to just kind of measure. You're supposed to, when you're reading the Bible, and of course, we would argue that the main source of wisdom is from the scriptures. God is the fountain of all wisdom. And you, and you get a chance just to reflect and pause on someone's life in the Bible. And, and it's, and it's a, I would call it a, a profitable thing because you can see someone who did it wrong. And when you get this chance to reflect on a life, hopefully it helps you with your decision-making 
1 Corinthians 10, verses 6 through 13 warn us, encourage us to learn from the mistakes of Israel so that we don't repeat them and don't fall like they fell to stupid sins and end poorly. We don't want to err exceedingly and play the fool like Saul said at the end of his life. We want to finish well like Paul said at the end of his life. I've finished the, the race. I've kept the faith. So that's the idea of you know heeding wisdom for your life. Yeah, I think just in terms of, of the overall thought in this particular proverb and, and others is, hey, if you don't pay attention to wisdom, you're going to reap consequences for that. And then don't come back and think that, you know, oh, my life's going to be all perfect and well when I ignore the wisdom that God has given in his word to us. In verse 29, he says, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. It's like those who come in and say, you know, I'm really struggling in my walk with the Lord. And then you ask them a few questions and you realize they're doing everything opposite of the way God would want you to do it. And then you wonder why you're having all these struggles in your life. So I think the main idea that we want to look at here is that, you know, when we follow good wisdom, there are going to be good consequences from that. And when we ignore the wisdom that God has given us, as well as like Pastor Brian said of of older and wiser people that can help us, then we just have to expect there's going to be consequences for that. All right, the number here is 1-800-227-5278. That's 1-800-227-5278. Right now we're going to go to Harry and Santee. Harry, you are on with the Bible Answer Show. Uh, yeah, I have a question of Isaiah chapter 45, verse 11. In one of the Bibles I have, it says, command me, and in another one it says, what do you command me? Since I don't know Hebrew, I'm not sure which one is which. And if it is command me, why would the Lord uh, tell us to command him about anything? So you're referring to Isaiah 45, 11. Is that yes, correct? Sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, let me just read it from the New American Standard. It says, Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and His Maker. Uh, his Maker, there is a reference to Israel's Maker, uh, which is God. Ask me about the things to come concerning my sons, and you shall commit to me the work of my hand. So, uh, I don't know if you guys have another rendering of that. Do you, Brian? Yeah, ESV reads, Ask of me things to come. Will you command me concerning my children and the work of my hands? Question mark. So it's like a rebuke. You know, who who are you to question mm -hmm. me? Yeah, NIV does the same thing. It's a question. Do you command me to? In the NIV, it's the same. Okay, so when it's put in a, in that kind of form, um, it's Isaiah chapters forty through forty eight are God really rebuking. Um, Israel for going after false gods and comparing himself to false deities. And so here, um, if, if it's seen in that question form, I think what it is, is it's, it's more, you know, kind of ironic language. How dare you? Are you going to command God? Although a lot of people will try to do that in their <laughs> lives, right? Yeah. You know, they're given quote unquote formulas all the time on how to try to make things work in their life. And it's almost like we take the place of God mm -hmm. in the way we try to approach things and, and God's not going to stand for that. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a good uh, lesson for us too, even sometimes in our prayer life, because 
we can uh, think that we can command the Lord in our prayer life rather than inquire or ask mm-hmm. of Him. I was just looking up the Greek word there. It's uh, Sha'el or Sha'al. Hebrew. In Hebrew, I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, and, and it means to inquire and by implication to request. Then it says in Strong's, it says by extension to demand. So I think that that may be when they were translating that 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 out there that may, may have taken that next step too far by saying command me and... Uh, and in actuality, it's an inquiry. Yeah. Well, if you look at um, verses twelve and thirteen, and one of the great lessons in terms of just you know trying to understand the Bible is context, context, context. Mm-hmm. God goes on to say, "It is I who made the earth." Verse twelve and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands. I ordained all their hosts. I have aroused him in righteousness. I will make all his ways smooth. He will build my city. And we'll let my exiles go go free. So the the essence of this passage is really, Harry, let God be God. You know, it, it is so difficult for us as human beings to just release control to God. And this is an example of a verse that is really in essence saying, let God be God. You know, if you if you're gonna try to play God in your own life, and, and I wanna just address those of us, you know, all of all of us who are Thinking about scripture right now, maybe you're driving in your car, maybe you're eating lunch right now. I want to just say this again to you directly, because maybe you've been fighting this. And look, we all would confess at times we fight this. Let God be God. Okay? You don't have to try to be God. You will never be God anyway. He's pretty good (laughs) at it. Let God be God. Okay? Let him, you know, the key to this life is really found right there. And letting God be God. Now you don't have to let Him go to be. You don't have to let Him be God for Him to be God. He is God. But for your own personal well-being, for your own peace of heart and mind, uh, He will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Look, this life is really about letting God be God. You cannot experience His loving plan without being in submission to Him. He's going to require it of you. And you can either voluntarily submit to him or he will find ways to get you to submit to him. Mm. Or you can fight him your whole life and end up dying without submitting to him. And then you're going to have to deal with his judgment. So this is a great, Harry, we appreciate you asking the question because Mm -hmm. this, you know, we've got about a minute left in this broadcast. And I know that there are people listening right now. This is a battle for all of us. How about for December? We're about to, we're, we're getting into Christmas season. How about our singular goal for this Christmas season is just to say, Lord, I'm going to submit to you. You be God in my life. You're the shepherd. I'm the sheep. You're the Lord. I'm the servant. I'm going to follow you. And if you make that your prayer this Christmas season, I think it will be transforming. Amen. Bible Answer Show is produced by Shane Lance and Cameron Thomas. Special thanks to our call screener, Joel, today. Special thanks to our callers and to the people around the table with me. Remember, the Bible Answer Show is a listener-supported ministry. To find out how you can keep us on the air, go to livingtruthradio.org, and you can give there. And uh, we'll catch you all tomorrow. Uh, Mike Massaro will be back tomorrow with you on the Bible Answer Show. Thanks for joining the conversation on the Bible Answer Show. To find out more about the radio ministry, Michael Lance, or the church he pastors in Corona, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, visit livingtruthradio.org. 
Please tell your friends about us and invite them to join us any weekday here on KBright. And if they have questions, we'll have answers on the next Bible Answer Show.